0: Well, welcome back to another Serenity Break, where we take a few minutes to consider the things of the Lord, take a break from our day, set our minds on Him, who we are in Christ, and who He is to us. Recently, I talked with you about the eschatological event, which is the Gospel. The Gospel is the proclamation of an eschatological event in which God has brought the end judgment, the end day judgment into human history at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that at the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost, everything changed. The age to come became inaugurated into the present age. So that we are now in a now and a not yet state. And that our very salvation is the present-day experience of that which is yet to come and be fully realized. There will be a final judgment, but for you who are in Christ, that judgment is predicated on something that has already occurred at the cross and the resurrection and the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost. So, when I say that the gospel is the proclamation of an eschatological event, What we understand when we say eschatological is we mean end. It's an end thing. The word eschatological is from the uh, root word eschaton, meaning end. Why is that important? Because it means to you that salvation has been accomplished. There is no tomorrow at Judgment Day. All the tomorrows are done. All of human history will have ended. And the fact that God has brought that day into human history means that salvation is an accomplished fact. It isn't something you have to work toward. It isn't something you have to earn. It isn't something that you have to wonder about because it is as real and as decreed today as it will be on that final day. So you have great assurance and cause for great comfort that your salvation, that the gospel of salvation, is an eschatological salvation. Now, I want to talk with you briefly then about the other aspect of of the gospel, and that is its covenantal structure. Now, don't let these phrases scare you. You don't have to be a scholar, but you do need to understand these that the gospel itself has this eschatological and covenantal aspect to it. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that if you don't understand the eschatological and covenantal structure of the gospel, you really don't understand the gospel. and You haven't been taught well, frankly, and that would be very common. Uh, because... The, the the gospel is grounded in eschatology. It's grounded in the covenant, the new covenant. So, let me just explain real briefly what I mean by the covenantal structure of the gospel. The first covenant was with Noah, the sign of which was the rainbow, that God would never again destroy the earth with water. The next covenant was with Abraham, the sign of which was circumcision, in which God promised to redeem humanity through Abraham and through his seed, singular, very important. Through Abraham's seed would come the redemption of humanity. The next covenant, biblical covenant, is the Mosaic Covenant that was given at Mount Sinai to those who came out of Egypt. That was a bilateral covenant, meaning I do this, you do that, and all is well. There's blessing for obedience and cursing for disobedience. Tragically, that covenant was broken by Israel, unfaithful Israel in their idolatry and their unfaithfulness towards God. There was nothing in God's character, there was nothing in God himself that caused that covenant to be broken. It was an an event that, uh, over a period of time, that exposed Israel, and thus all of humanity, as sinful. The law in the Old Covenant exposed sinful humanity as sinful. And thus the need for a gracious covenant. In Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36 In parts of Isaiah, God promised a new covenant, a covenant that would be, again, unilateral, in which he would perform a gracious act, a gracious act in which the law would now be written on the hearts and minds, that he would place his spirit within us, and that the uh, intention and the purposes of the law would be fulfilled in the new covenant. And then there was one other covenant, and that was the Davidic covenant. That was the covenant and promised by God to David that one of his seed would sit on the throne and reign forever and ever. Now, what you need to understand is that all of these covenants were fulfilled in the new covenant in Christ. Christ and his new covenant work, when he came, fulfilled all previous biblical covenants. He consecrated the new covenant at the cross in his own blood. It was accepted at the resurrection and affirmed with the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost so that we understand the new covenant to be wholly new, wholly set apart, wholly different. It is the fulfillment of all previous covenants so that you are under a new covenant the covenant of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus now the best way to protect yourselves from falsehood is of course with the truth so the way i've just laid out the biblical covenants to you is the truth this is the, these are biblical covenants it's important for you to understand especially if you're a protestant is that they um, uh, there is a another teaching that came out of the Reformation. it came out that's still being taught within Reformed and Presbyterian circles today. That there's a another covenant, a covenant that they say started at the Fall when God promised through through the woman to woman's seed to redeem humanity. But it wasn't a covenant. It was a promise. The differ the big difference there. But they say their fabricated theological covenant is an overarching covenant of grace that God instituted in response to Adam's failure to keep the covenant of works. The problem is is that their theological system imposes this covenant of grace overarching all the other biblical covenants. And ultimately... Treats the new covenant not as a singular separate covenant different than the old covenant, but ultimately treats the new covenant as simply the latest administration of the overarching covenant of grace, the covenant of uh, a covenant that they created, they manufactured. You can't find it in the Bible. The worst part of it is is that their overarching covenant of grace. <clears throat> Convolutes the new and the old covenant so that you'll get teachings on tithing with blessing and curse attached to it. You get, you're being told that Sunday now, they move from Saturday to Sunday, as the Sabbath, and you must keep the Sabbath. There are even those who say you must keep certain feasts. And so the convoluting of the old and the new covenants. Is pouring old wine into new wineskins, as Jesus taught. So it's very important to understand that the New Covenant is unlike, it's not like the Old Covenant. It's a holy New Covenant. And don't let anyone tell you that there's some uh, other covenant of grace. That's a pure theological fabrication, folks. You'll find it in Presbyterian and Reformed circles and Reformed Baptist circles. And uh, it, it pains me to say that. I'm not trying to be antagonistic, but it's a false covenant. What you want is the biblical covenants. You want to know how this, the gospel is structured in the biblical covenants, as I just laid out. Most importantly, the new covenant is the covenant of the spirit of life. It's unconditional And it's in Christ. And you are under that new covenant. Not under law, but under the work of the Spirit. You no longer walk by law. You walk by the Spirit. And thus you do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Rather, you are conformed to the image of Christ through the glories and the power of the Spirit. Amen.